Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here with an update on what is happening over on the island of Maui. As you know, devastating fires have effectively destroyed most of this old town of Lahaina and, uh, and many lives have been lost. The number keeps climbing and there are a thousand people unaccounted for. This is so tragic. And as you also know, we have a church there called Harvest Kumalani. It's about 10, 11 miles from downtown Lahaina. Our church has been dramatically affected. Many people in our congregation have had their homes burned down. But our church has a great sense of ohana. That's Hawaiian for family. They're pulling together. They're caring for each other. And right now, we have a team on the ground, and we're assessing the situation and trying to determine what we can do to help. We're very glad that our friends at Samaritan's Purse, led by Franklin Graham, are on the ground as well. We'll be working closely with them to do what we can for the people of this island that have had their lives turned upside down. As you know, we've established a special fund that we're calling the Harvest Hawaii Relief Fund. And you can go to harvest.org and you can give. And we're going to put it to good use, bringing hope to the hurting people of the entire island of Maui. So let's keep praying for the folks there. Pray for the relief efforts. Pray for the first responders. Pray for those that are trying to rebuild the infrastructure of this island. They don't have power there right now. They can't really communicate at all. So they need God's intervention. Let's all be praying for them together. And as they say in Hawaii, mahalo, which means thank you. All roller coaster type rides nauseate me now going up and down and right and left and I'm thinking, I can't wait to get off this ride. That's how sin can be. What used to be fun now makes you sick. Sin promises pleasure, but it delivers pain. Pastor Greg Laurie urges us to see sin and temptation for what they really are. Sin can be fun. Let's be honest about that. For a season. This is the day when the lost are Advertisers used to be guilty of something called bait and switch. The consumer would get lured into the store by something the advertiser had no plan to deliver. So it goes with the way our adversary tries to bait us with his temptations. But sin never delivers guilt-free pleasure. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to an important case in point in the life of one of the Bible's great Old Testament patriarchs. We'll learn from his experience. Why don't you all grab your Bibles and today I want to talk about the purpose of your life. The title is Your Life Has a Purpose. And there's no clearer example of that than the man we're going to take a little time to look at together. His name is Moses. His life could have so easily been over before it even started but God preserved him. And not only did God preserve Moses, but He called and used him to literally save the lives of millions of people. As we will discover together, Moses was a flawed individual to say the least. Yet he was one of the greatest men of God in all of human history. We know him as a great hero of history, 
But who was the man behind the legend? We know Moses says the lawgiver, but we must remember also that before that he was the law breaker. He was born in poverty, yet he was raised in a palace, but ultimately the wilderness became his home. He was reluctant to lead, but he was determined to follow. At times Moses was impulsive, impatient, and even explosive, but at other times he was humble and broken and obedient to what the Lord would say. He was idolized and he was criticized. What an interesting guy he was. So let's read the text right now. Hebrews eleven twenty three is where we will start. Let's look at it together. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So as our story begins, the Jewish people are facing hard times. Why? Because the Pharaoh decided he wanted to cut down the Hebrew population. He came up with his own version of what the Nazis called the final solution. He said, kill all of the Jewish baby boys. But this Hebrew couple, Amran and Jochebed, the mom and dad of Joseph, wanted their little boy to live, of course. And the Bible tells us, in particular, he was a beautiful child. The word that is used there for beautiful implies also that he was cheerful. So he was a beautiful, cheerful little baby. Later in Acts, Stephen is before the Sanhedrin and he gives a little commentary on Moses. In Acts 7 he says that Moses was exceedingly fair, which is a word that means fair to God, indicating a special purpose for his life. So here's my point. The child wasn't just beautiful. The child had a purpose. God had singled this child out. And do you know that God has a purpose for you? Yes, you. A special purpose. A special plan that is unique to you, regardless of the circumstances of your birth. So God chose Moses. Well, know this. Satan hates what God chooses. And that's why he wanted to eradicate the Jewish people. And that's why he wanted to destroy Moses. But God preserved this little one. Have you ever stopped and wondered why God maybe has preserved you up to this point? Maybe you had a close brush with death. Maybe you had a childhood illness you weren't supposed to survive. There were some mitigating circumstances against you. But yet here you are right now hearing this message. God had a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And this was about to unfold in the life of Moses. So uh, his parents, Amran and Jochebed, say, well, we're just going to have to put it in the hands of God. And they put him in a little basket covered with pitch, which means it, it was waterproof. You've heard of Noah's Ark? This was Moses' Ark. <laughs> just a little smaller. <laughs> there were no animals. And they put him in there, gave it a little push. And it was in a current there in the Nile River. It's cruising along. And it came right in front of where the Pharaoh 
would be and where the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt was. And all of a sudden, as if on cue, the baby cries. And so she goes over and looks at this little basket and sees this absolutely adorable little baby boy. And immediately her heart is moved. But she's thinking, well, what can I do? Her maternal instincts kicked in. How can I help this child? And seemingly out of nowhere, here comes Miriam, the sister of Moses. Hey, I noticed you just saw this little baby in a basket. <laughs> and so I'm thinking maybe you would like someone to help nurse that baby right now. And the Pharaoh's daughter saying, that's an awesome idea. Do you have anyone in mind? Well, there's a lady over here would be willing to do the job. Right, mom? I mean, right, random lady? Djokovic, uh, yes, I, I could do that. And so the princess says, oh, would you take this little baby and, and take care of him and nurse him right now? I think I could work that into my schedule. <laughs> I love how this story unfolds because it shows the natural and the supernatural working together. I think sometimes we go too far one way or the other. Everything is spiritual, 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 never the practical, or everything is practical, 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 never the spiritual. Maybe you're out of work. And you're saying, well, I need a job. So someone asks you, well, have you got your resume out there? No, I'm just staying at home, praying, <laughs> watching Netflix, <laughs> just praying the Lord will provide. Well, you might be doing some unplanned fasting in your future, okay? So <laughs> take the practical steps and pray for the Lord to lead. The motto of soldiers in the Revolutionary War was, quote, trust in God but keep your powder dry, end quote. There's a place for trust and there's a place for the practical. So baby Moses cries and a mother hears. A baby's tears were God's first weapon in his war against Egypt. And so she has these precious three months to be with her baby boy. And then she had to let him go. How hard that must have been for Jochebed. Oh, to turn him over to the court of the Pharaoh. You know, and maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you've had to let your children go. Others of you are saying, I wish my children would go. He's 50 years old, living at home still. Come on. But maybe you just sent a son or a daughter off to college, or maybe they're serving in the military, or or you just gave your daughter away to be married, dads, and you're looking at this creep, I mean this husband. <laughs> you take good care of my girl, boy. <laughs> it's hard to let our kids go. And that's exactly what Jochebed had to do. And she had to trust the Lord. Stephen gives us some more commentary in Acts 7.20. He says, at that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months when at last they had to abandon him and Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught in the wisdom of the Egyptians and became mighty in speech and action. Now Josephus, the Jewish historian, uh, wrote that there was no heir to the Pharaoh. Therefore Moses was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. Now I don't know if that's true, but that's interesting if it is. Because that means that Moses could have said, you know what? I'm just going to hang in here. And then one day when I ascend to ultimate power, I'm going to release the Jews. So I need to just kind of be cool and, 
and keep a low profile and kind of go along with the game plan and not make any waves. Well, he could have done that, but he didn't. Because he knew that this was a godless environment, though he's being schooled in like the Oxford of, of ancient times and was learning all the things one could learn and you would eat the finest food and be dressed in designer clothing from head to toe. He knew his fellow Jews were suffering. And he just couldn't stand to sit there and do nothing about it. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. You know, when you've walked in the very land where Jesus himself walked, you'll gain a whole new appreciation for the truth of Scripture. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here, inviting you to the Harvest Ministries Israel Tour. April 9 to 19, 2024. This will be an unforgettable journey through biblical sites and a unique opportunity to grow in your own faith. Listen, spots are limited. Be sure to sign up as soon as possible at israel.harvest.org. Again, it's israel.harvest.org. Hope to see you there. Pastor Greg is presenting his opening message in a new series on the life of Moses called Water, Fire, Stone. And our thanks to our Harvest partners for their consistent generosity that's helping to bring you today's study. Let's go back to Hebrews 11, verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of the Messiah than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him. Wow, what an amazing series of verses. An interesting point is brought up. That is simply the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin can be fun. Let's be honest about that. Let me take a quick poll. How many of you have ever sinned? Raise your hand up. Okay. How many of you have sinned today already? Seriously? (laughs) Tell me what you did here. Okay, now. How many of you have ever committed a sin and enjoyed it while you did it? Don't lie. Okay. You don't want to raise your hand, right? But we have. Otherwise, why would we do it? So the Bible does not ignore that fact. The Bible acknowledges the fleeting pleasures of sin. But there are also the lasting repercussions of sin. That's what the Bible tells us. That there are pleasures, they are short lived, and then there are repercussions which can last a lifetime. And that's what we want to avoid. You know, roller coasters can be fun unless they come off the tracks. I went to Disneyland uh, with Levi Lusco and his daughter Clover, and I took two of my grandchildren, Allie and Christopher. And uh, you know, I just realized that all roller coaster type rides nauseate me now. Uh, let's start with Space Mountain. I was on the inaugural ride. I remember I wanted to give me a big giant button. I rode Space Mountain. I remember thinking, this thing is so, this isn't even scary at all. But that was, I think, 1975. So I was in my 20s. Now I wrote it today in my 40s. (laughs) Plus a few more years. And you know what? 
It made me sick to my stomach. And I'm going up and down and right and left and I'm thinking, I can't wait to get off this ride. And you know how they take your picture now and you can buy your picture? But I'm too cheap to buy one of those pictures. So I take my phone out and take a picture of the screen. I should have brought it and showed it to you. But everybody on the roller coaster is like throwing their hands in the air. The little kids are doing it. And I just have the most nauseated look on my face. Because that's exactly how I felt. And then we went on Thunder Mountain and that nauseated me too. Everything nauseates me now. Except the corn dog. That did not nauseate me. That was the highlight of the day. No question about it. That's how sin can be. What used to be fun now makes you sick. You know what I'm talking about? Things you used to do that were fun at first, then became not as fun, then they actually became a little bit miserable, then they became completely depressing, and now you can't believe you wasted your life doing those things. See, that's what the Bible is saying. The pleasures of sin for a season. But Moses said, I'm done with Egypt. I don't care. I'm tired of walking like an Egyptian. <laughs> I'm tired of the music. I'm tired of the food. I'm tired of the false gods. I'm tired of this disconnection from reality. I've got to do something. So basically it came down to this simple recognition in the life of Moses. The worst God had to offer was better than what the world had to offer. So what is the best the world had to offer? All the luxuries of Egypt. What is the best the world has to offer to us? Same thing basically, just updated. All of the short-lived pleasures, all of the whatever experiences you can have, that's the best. What is the worst God has to offer? Well, persecution maybe? Rejection, mockery? Yeah, we don't like that. Nobody likes to be attacked. But, but that's the worst. And the worst, if you will, and I'll put that word in quotes, the worst God offers is better than the best the world offers. Now let's turn it around and talk about the best that God offers. Oh, how long do you have? Let's start with eternal life in heaven. Let's start with a perfected body that God will give to us. Let's talk about the removal of all sorrow and sadness and depression. Let's talk about meaning and purpose in this life. Let's talk about a peace that passes human understanding. Let's talk about the joy that God can give. That's the best God has to offer. What's the worst the world has to offer? Oh my, really bad. Hell, judgment, facing the repercussions of your bad decisions, seeing those sins sometimes repeated not only in the lives of your children but even in your grandchildren. Oh my. Oh no, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Here's what we need to understand. You can be happy without sin. The greatest happiness this life has to offer can be without chasing after these empty pleasures because the Bible says, happy are those that hear the word of God and keep it. And here you are with an open heart hearing the word of God. And that brings the real happiness you've sought in life from a relationship with God. <laughs> 
Do we have to give up anything to follow Jesus? Yes, we do. We do. But really, what do you give up? You give up emptiness. You give up guilt. You give up a meaningless life in its place. God gives you peace, purpose, and happiness, and an eternal hope. So it's a pretty amazing trade-in program, I have to say. But yeah, you give things up. But whatever you've given up to follow Jesus will be more than made up to you in this life and the life to come. That's what Jesus said. And I would just say in closing, there might be somebody here that's been chasing after these empty things and it's caused you to be a very empty person. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ stands here willing to forgive you of any sin you've ever committed. Let's loop back to that statement of John 10 and wrap this up. It sums it up. Jesus said, the thief or the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, speaking of himself, have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Wow, there's a choice. Death or life. Be destroyed or be restored. It's really up to you. Are you tired of getting ripped off by the devil? Are you tired of living in this misery and emptiness? Well, Jesus is ready to forgive you and he can do that for you now. I talked about my own life as a, a kid, 17, when I became a Christian. I, I asked Christ to come into my life and I'll be honest with you. I was thinking to myself, this isn't gonna work for me. It just isn't. And the reason I thought that was because I was cynical. I was cynical because of the things I'd seen. I was cynical because I honestly didn't know many adults I had any respect for. I was cynical because I'd just seen so many sad things in my very young life. And I thought this is, it's a promise that won't deliver. But I was wrong. Because it wasn't an it. It was a him. It was Jesus. And Jesus keeps his promises. And he'll keep his promises to you. People have let you down. Circumstances have let you down. Christ will never let you down. In fact, he'll lift you up. But you must call out to him. And if there's anybody here that would say, I need Jesus in my life. I'm tired of chasing after the empty pleasures of this world. I want what God wants. I want to find that purpose he has for me. I want to find that meaning he has for my life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Let's all bow our heads for a prayer. Father, speak to any person here or any person who's watching, wherever they may be. Show them their need for Jesus. Help them to come to you today and believe and be forgiven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer with those who'd like to make a change today in their relationship with the Lord. And if you'd like to do that, Pastor Greg will help you in just a moment before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. Well, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned that there are other documentaries on the life of Johnny Cash, but your new movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, is the only one that tells Johnny's story from a spiritual perspective. That's right. I think you've called it an evangelistic documentary. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Johnny have wanted his story told from that context? Oh, I think so. In fact, I'm sure of it. His sister, 
Joanna Cash Yates said of the book and of this film, this is the best thing ever done about my brother. Because mm. Johnny was very upfront about his faith. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted people to know about Jesus. And from the beginning of his life to the very end, he was talking about his faith in Christ. And so this comes out in this film that we've done. But listen, why don't I let you listen to Johnny himself? Now, this is a recording of Johnny talking about a time in his life when he was really despondent. In fact, he didn't even know if he wanted to live anymore. So he went into this cave called the Nickajack Cave, and he went in as far as you can go. This is a really deep, long cave. People have actually gone into this cave and never come out again. Hmm. And he tells a story of how he encountered God in this cave. This is from our film, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Give a listen. In that cave in Chattanooga, I was as far away from God that that I had ever been, could ever be. I went into this cave and uh, kept walking and crawling and climbing until my light had run out. Every fiber of my being totally exhausted. And I lay there in the darkness, the end of the line. I lay there to die. And in the darkness, laid down and basically gave up his life, gave up everything. Then the, the urging came over me to get up and start crawling. I don't have any idea how long I crawled. And it was like this feeling came over me that, uh, that he wanted to speak to my heart. You do not control your destiny, but it's my will that you do not die now. Finally, I felt the wind. Before long, I saw light, the entrance to the cave. And God's love brought him back. A moving moment from the film Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. And you know, God's love brought Johnny back time after time. It's such an inspiring film, and what a great source of hope for parents of prodigal children, or for the spouse of a prodigal, or for the prodigal himself or herself who's searching. Well, we want to send you a copy of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon on DVD, along with a streaming code so you can watch on your tablet or phone or computer. We're sending it to say thank you for your partnership that allows us to bring Pastor Greg's studies to you each day. So get in touch today with your investment. Call 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. And then, Pastor Greg, I know there are some in our audience who felt God speaking to them today through your message, and they want to make a change in their relationship with the Lord. Could you help them with that? Yeah, you know, Dave, the Bible says whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer where you will be doing just that, calling on the name of the Lord. So listen, if you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that when you die, you will go to heaven, if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and take away your guilt and your shame, then just stop what you're doing 
and pray this prayer with me right now. Pray this after me if you would. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments. I have fallen short of your standards. But 2,000 years ago, you died on that cross for me. Then you rose again from the dead. So Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord and my God and my friend. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And listen, if you have just prayed along with Pastor Greg and you've meant those words sincerely, God has heard you and forgiven you of your sin. And we want to send you some materials to help you as you begin your new life as a follower of Christ. It's a collection of resources called the New Believer's Growth Packet. We'll send it without charge if you made a first-time commitment to the Lord today. Just ask for the New Believer's Growth Packet when you call us anytime, night or day at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. You know, each one of us as believers is sort of a walking, talking billboard for Jesus Christ. What does your billboard say? Next time, as Pastor Greg continues his study of the life of Moses, we'll learn how to live a life that's a good advertisement for what the Lord can do in a person's life. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Sign up for daily devotions and learn how to become a Harvest Partner at harvest.org.